I just really appreciate the fact that we have so many people who contribute, so many people who can preach. Over the last few months, we've had some incredible input, uh, and we will over the next few weeks. Unfortunately, it won't be Mary and I because we'll be in the States visiting our grandkids. So we leave early tomorrow morning, and uh, quite excited about that. Years ago, when I was younger, when Mary and I weren't married before we met, I actually worked with a wilderness organization called Summit Expedition, and we were doing uh, an orienteering course in the desert. And orienteering, back in those days when they didn't have GPS, was you had a map and you had a compass. And you figured out where you were going by the map and compass, and we were going to find a certain place. And uh, we set out off in the desert, and on our path was this big mound and that we had to go around. So we went about 200 meters around the, the mound till we got where we could continue on the heading that we were, were going for. The problem is we didn't realize that we had moved 200 meters offline. And even though we were going on the right heading, we missed the target we were aiming at by 200 meters. Amazing. Uh, we did a lot of climbing and rappelling and, and orienteering courses in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. Now, if you know anything about orienteering, the map, your, your compass doesn't point to north on the map. It points to magnetic north, which in California is about six degrees off of what your map shows. It's called an angle of declination. And if you don't count that in, and you're traveling a distance, you don't realize that you're actually six degrees off course. I'm following the heading, but I'm going the wrong place. It makes you realize it only takes being a little out of focus to miss the point. A little off course. Luke chapter 5, verse 11 says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Sitting at the tax office, he said to him, follow me. Back over to Matthew chapter 4. You're going to figure this out in a moment. From verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat, with Zebedee their father, many their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. Chapter 19, verse 21. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And one more, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 8. Verse 34, 
And he called the people to himself with his disciples also, and he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. You figured out what I want to share on this morning. Jesus calls people to follow him. Simple, but that's true north, following Jesus. He doesn't call us to follow a denomination. He doesn't call us to follow a church. He doesn't call us to follow a theology. He calls us to follow him, a person. But to follow Jesus means to focus on him. Maybe you think, how can they always sing about Jesus? Because our compass only points to true north. We're going to stay focused on him. See, staying focused when you follow somebody. Come here, Johan, for a second. Stand here. Face that way. If I were blind, or even if I wasn't blind, but if, if I was following Johan and he were moving, I have to keep focus on Johan. Go ahead. Okay, if I get distracted by you guys over here, what happens? Pretty soon, I'm off course. Johan, keep going. No. (laughs) See, if you read the stories of Jesus, he rarely gave his followers the whole picture of what was going to happen. Basically, he just said, Follow me. Maybe the picture would be too overwhelming. Hey, Peter and John, come follow me. And some of you guys are going to go to other nations, and almost all of you are going to end up dying as martyrs. That's the big picture. That's your destiny. Come follow me. That might have been too overwhelming. But maybe he didn't tell them the big picture because they would be tempted to try and make it happen on their own. See, he knows where he's going, but he also knows how to get there. One of the dangers is if we see the end, we, in our human thinking, we think the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. How many of you learned that in math? It's true in math. It's not true in the kingdom. Because it's not so much where you get to, it's who you are when you get there. And so he'll often take you through all kinds of detours at different places to make you the person he wants you to be when he gets you to that point. You don't know what that is. But you see the picture and you say, ah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that happen. It's interesting. uh, I think often a focus on someone's destiny gives us a big picture and leaves us trying to get there on our own. You're going to have this huge impact. You're going to lead worship in in the world. And you're going to have a great impact. And so you try and make that happen rather than just follow Jesus. See, when you follow Jesus, when we focus on him, he leads us wherever he wants to. And he leads us however he wants to. Mary and I just before we, uh, we met, I was in university, and a church I was 
been part of was about 12 miles away. And if you had told me at that point that I was going to actually be on staff at that church at some point, I would have thought it's only 12 miles. But God took us to Mexico and to South Africa and an island in the Pacific to go that 12 miles. We probably went 250,000 miles <laughs> to move that 12 miles. But something in us says, I can get there. I know, I know the route. Following Jesus means that we don't know the route. But another thing, quite often what people aim at is a byproduct of being focused on Jesus. Okay, we want life. Seize the day. This is life. We want life, but Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. You want life, you come to Jesus. You focus on trying to get life, and you often just make a mess of it. We just read Mark 8, 35. He who desires to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life, for my sake and the gospels, will save it. We want unity. Unity is a good thing. The Bible talks about unity. The problem is, when we aim at unity, we don't get unity. When we aim at Jesus, we get unity. A.W. Tozer once said, a hundred pianos tuned to the same tuning fork will be in tune with one another. What he was referring to is that you try and tune a hundred pianos to each other, and it doesn't work. Because there's always a change. And so if you've tuned them to the same tuning fork, if, if our focus is Jesus, about every 20 years, there's a renewed focus on unity. If we could only be unified. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Uh, Matthew 17, 22. God, make them one as you and I are one. And there's this focus on unity. But the problem is when we focus on unity without focusing on Jesus, we just find out that we're different. When we focus on unity, we get problems. When we focus on Jesus, we get unified. Why? Because we're being conformed. Not to one another, but to Jesus. He's the tuning fork. We want the supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. That's fantastic. You know how you get that? You focus on Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit loves it when we focus on Jesus. Uh-oh. Somebody's alarm. Somebody sat on their keys. <laughs> Pardon? John chapter 16, verse 13, says this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. What does the Holy Spirit do? He glorifies Jesus. 
So when we focus on Jesus, the Holy Spirit is delighted. He manifests himself. We see the supernatural. Even seeing people get saved. We want to see people get saved and become followers of Jesus. Thing is, when you focus on him, people come to him. Duh! It's not rocket science, huh? John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's wonderful. He's the Savior. See, we don't come to the Father by focusing on church. There's been a move of the last 30 years in Western culture on church growth. The focus is how do we grow a church? And the focus is if we do all these things and if we have all these ingredients and everything, then our church will grow. I want to tell you, our focus isn't growing a church. Our focus is Jesus. Growth is a byproduct. Where there's life, there's growth. But we don't really care because we just like Jesus. So not by focusing on church. See, people come to Jesus not by adding God to your life. See, we can have this generic spirituality that says, hey, just become spiritual. Let me tell you, you don't need generic spirituality. You need Jesus. He's our focus. I was meeting with a friend of mine, a pastor, this week, and he was saying that he had said something to his worship, uh, one of his other worship leaders, just jokingly. And he said, uh, would Muslims be comfortable singing these songs? See, we can become so generic that nobody's ever challenged if we don't sing about Jesus, if we don't focus on Jesus, if we don't talk about Jesus. Mary and I were in a church a, a couple years ago in the States, and they were part of a, a movement that had really talked about focusing on Jesus. And 50 minutes of worship, and the name of Jesus never came up. Now, I didn't think of it at the time, but I can look back and say, ah, probably nobody would have been uncomfortable with those songs. Muslims wouldn't have. See, if you just talk something generic. But see, when we aim at the byproduct, we get off focus and off course. When we aim at Jesus, we get all those other things. But there's no, don't become our focus. It applies for us as a church, but it applies for you as an individual. Are you aiming at the byproduct rather than at the source? So we want to make disciples of Jesus. Rick Poland shared a couple of weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, about the, the main mandate is making disciples Jesus. Uh, the mandate is to make disciples, but not my disciples, not your disciples, but disciples of Jesus. See, there's a, a whole discipleship movement that says somebody should be discipling you and you should be discipling some other people, and you've got to have disciples. The problem is that it's not our disciples, it's disciples of Jesus. So, I want to throw something at you. Books don't make disciples, people make disciples. About a month ago, a little over, I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm not sure if I had a dream or if I was kind of half asleep or awake. I don't know. 
I think Paul said that. He didn't know whether he was in, in the spirit or out of the spirit. I don't know if I was awake or asleep. But I had this sudden thought, what if 100 people got saved? What would we do? What if 1,000? Now, I have to preempt that with, I pray every day for tens of thousands of people in this city to get saved. But what would we do? Would we do classes? Or would we say, everybody is now a discipler? Are you prepared? Got very quiet in here. <laughs> You're supposed to say, amen, yes. So with that in mind, I woke up and I created a little booklet called The Follower of Jesus. Now, this isn't to give to someone who gets saved because a booklet doesn't disciple people. This is an outline for you to disciple someone. So you're all going to get this. There's a bunch there. Mary, Steve, would you help me out and just grab those? Yes. Some of you help out. Just grab a whole bunch of them. Everyone take one. God's been speaking to us. Matt was here last week, said, are we still willing to be stretched? Are we still growing? The word this morning was getting out of the, uh, the harbor, set sail again. It was that God has a door for us. It's not for us as a church. The church is not me or an organization. The church is us as people. And so I tried to put together what would be the most simple essentials. Now what this is, is an outline for you if you were discipling someone. It's real easy. Someone gets saved, and you just acknowledge when, where, and that whoever was there, and then when the devil attacks them later, they'll have a record. Now, eventually, you'll give this to them, but not initially. And then how do you grow in relationship with Jesus? Relationships are something to do with time, communication. So it talks about worship, prayer, and reading the Word, reading the Bible. And then it talks about next steps, and there's three of them. Water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, and being added to a church. Now, if someone gets those things, they get a good start. And if you've gone through that with someone, if they have questions, they'll, they'll feel free to ask you because they know you. And so at the end, you give that to someone. Now, what if 100 people got saved? If you stood next to them and decided to help them, you have an outline. You don't have to use that. It's only a tool. There's nothing sacred about it, except it's red. <laughs> the blood, that makes it say no. <laughs> Sorry, I can't be serious for very long. <laughs> I try. I really do. doesn't work. Making disciples of Jesus. Are you? We're a kingdom of priests. 
God's mandate to us as leaders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's all of us. We've been talking about our sphere of influence. We've been talking about sharing the gospel. We've talked about God's heart. There's something, a moving of the Spirit over this land, this nation once again, to see people saved. Are we prepared? I want to encourage you. Take a look at that. Keep it with you. If someone, if you lead some of the Lord, or if, I actually saw a vision of thousands of people in an arena and hundreds of people coming forward. And my thought was, what do we do with these folks? We say, Johnny, will you come stand by them? Josh, you come stand by this guy. Every single one of us becomes a discipler. Now, if you look at that, and you haven't yourself become a follower of Jesus, it's hard to disciple someone. If you haven't been baptized, you need to. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you haven't been added to church, you need to take a look at that and say, okay, if these are essentials for someone I'm going to disciple, have I done it? Am I really a follower of Jesus? Or do I pick and choose? So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you? Three things. A few weeks ago, a couple times, there was a prophetic word. Actually, Mary shared about it's time to build. She spoke it over Stephen Barb, but she also spoke it over us as a church. It's time to set sail. It's a new door. It's, are we still flexible? The whole things that God's been saying over the last few weeks, it's time to build. I want to say it's time that we get healed for some of us and get back in the game. It's okay to recognize that we've been hurt. When I first moved here, I met a man who, obviously, with my accent, asked why I was here, told him we were here to plant a church, and he went off for about 45 minutes about how terrible the church was. And uh, about, after about 45 minutes, I said, okay, I understand where you are with the church, but where are you with Jesus? And he kind of looked at me, taken back, said, oh, that's an interesting question. I probably haven't opened my Bible in nine months. See, he got hurt by the church, and he got off focus. His focus was the church. He wasn't offended with Jesus, but his focus on the church took him away from following Jesus. If you've been hurt by the church, I can understand that. Church is made up of people. And none of us are perfect. If you haven't got hurt by the church, you will. (laughs) It's going to happen. But the answer is not try to find a church where everyone's perfect because there isn't. The answer is keep your focus on Jesus. If you've been hurt... Get healed to get back in the game. Begin obeying again the leading of the Spirit. Some of you have had times where God's used you in amazing circumstances. And somehow you just got a little bit off focus. Your compass wasn't pointing true north any longer. You got a little bit off course. God says it's time to get back. For some of us, it means rededicating our lives to following Jesus. 
Maybe you got sidetracked, slightly off course, but then you feel, end up feeling unfulfilled, unfocused, looking at the wrong thing, trying to build your kingdom, your life, your business, everything. You need to come back to following Jesus. And maybe there's someone here this morning, you've never decided to follow Jesus. Well, I tell you, he's still calling. Today's the day for you. I want to ask you, what's stopping you from becoming a follower of Jesus right now? Not a follower of a church, not a follower of a belief, but a follower of Jesus. He wants to show himself to you. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. Something. We have the most wonderful worship team because I just look at Tim and he goes, and I go, what are we going to do? I have no clue. He is. But I want to ask you, if you'd just bow your head, just so you're not distracted by anyone else. If Jesus is calling you this morning to follow him, I don't want to tell you he is. That's always been his call. It's his only call that we follow him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, today's your day. There's nothing to stop you. If you've gotten distracted and off course, you can rededicate yourself to being a follower of Jesus. And if you've been hurt, he can heal you and get you back in the game. We're going to finish with a song. And I just want you to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants. Whatever it is in you, See, understand something that I understand. It's not how well I preach or what I say that can convince you of something. It's only the Holy Spirit. And I'm happy for Him to do that. Allow Him to have His way as we close with this.